truth made simple. You know, when you lose something that's very valuable to you, you'll move heaven and earth to find it. And when you do find it, it's a very joyful occasion. And so it is with our Lord Jesus Christ. We are lost, but he is always looking for us. And when we are found, the joy can be overwhelming in our lives and in the lives of those around us. So join us for our newest podcast entitled Lost and Found. Without my wife, I'm sure my English, whether speaking or writing, would be horrible, well, at least to her eyes and ears. I live with the chief of the grammar police. She is also a realist. That is, she expects what I say to be what I mean. She expects it to be true and will correct me if the need arises. This is a two-edged sword. On one side, I appreciate her efforts so that I do not sound ignorant, and on the other side, to be truthful, it can be a little annoying at times. But it's also made me aware of things that people say that, while they are unintentional, really make no sense. In my many encounters with fellow believers, there is one thing that many have said, including myself, that is meant well, but really isn't biblical, and to a certain point is beginning to annoy even me. I'm sure many of you heard this, or many of you have said it yourself, and that phrase is, on such and such a date, I found Jesus. You might ask why this annoys you, or why it annoys me. I'm glad you asked that question. It's because it's not based on reality. Because Jesus was not the one who was lost. A proper phasing of that statement would be, on such and such a date, Jesus found me. In spite of my sin and being an enemy of God, Jesus kept looking and he found me, he saved me, and he gave me the right to be called a child of God. So it is in chapter 15 of Luke where we find the parable of things lost and found. Luke 15, verses 1 through 2. Now the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to hear him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. You know, I'm old enough to remember when going on trips, and only having a map to navigate by. When the map failed, you had to stop and ask for directions. Now, as a man, I do not need no stinking directions. I always knew where I was and where I was going until I realized I didn't. I remember a time we were on vacation in California driving through unfamiliar territory, and of course I knew exactly where we were going, and I would not take any suggestions from anyone, and I would not stop for directions. We eventually ended up in a very bad part of town, lost and scared. A gentleman approached the car, realizing we were lost, and was kind enough to give us directions to leave. The Pharisees and the scribes, though they knew the right path, scoffed at those who faced the reality they were lost. They believed that their own righteousness and works was the way to heaven. They did not need no stinking map, let alone a stranger telling them the right path let alone the likes of Jesus telling them the right path. Of course, they were wrong, and they remain lost. There are many in the churches today who think they know where they are going, and in reality, they are lost. Bodhi Bachman said, Hell is filled with people who don't drink, don't cuss, and have even been baptized. Why? Because not one of these things makes someone a Christian. It'll also be filled with so many people who believe that their own good works and what they do in their lives will make them righteous. They have no idea that they're lost and need to be found. 
It says in Titus chapter 3, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of our works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So being justified by his grace, we might become heirs through the eternal hope of life. The sinners and tax collectors that were gathering around Jesus knew they were lost. They knew they were in a bad place and had no idea on how to get out. They realized they needed help and came to Jesus for directions. If you are lost in the forest, the one thing you cannot do is find yourself. You must be found. Lost in sin, we are wandering around in the dark with no clue to where we are or where we are headed. When you are lost in sin, you cannot save yourself. You cannot find yourself. You need a savior. You need to be found. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Interesting enough, I can't find one case in Scripture where a Pharisee went out looking for anyone who was a sinner to bring them to repentance. They sat in the temple, waiting for the lost sinners to come to them. They were given the duty of being shepherds to the people and felled on every level. The job of a shepherd was to protect the sheep and make sure no one was lost for any reason. The majority of shepherds did not own the sheep they were assigned to protect. They were stewards of the master's sheep. Jesus was given the task of shepherd by the Father. The Pharisees were given the task of shepherds by the Father. One failed, one succeeded. John 10, verses 27 through 29 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the hand of the Father. Hebrews 13.20 says, Now may the God of peace who brought you again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. One might ask, though, why would you leave 99 behind? Doesn't that put them in danger? It's reasonable to assume that there's safety in numbers. Sheep have a strong flocking instinct. They feel safer when gathered together. The sheep need other sheep to feel safe. Often in a herd, the rams place themselves on the outer room of the flock to protect the young and the females. Separating one sheep out of the rest of the flock is disturbing and frightening to them. As sinners, we are separated from the flock. We are vulnerable and weak apart from God. When we place our faith in Christ, we become part of a greater body that will protect and defend us. Jesus, being the good shepherd, when he sees one of the flock wandering off lost, he will retrieve it. He will always seek the lost to bring them into the protection of the flock. Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. There was great joy when a lost sheep was found, and there will be great joy for every sinner who is brought back into the flock. Jesus points to the Pharisees and scribes as people seeking their own righteousness, seeking their own faith, seeking their own path. Without repentance, this path is a path to hell. There is no joy. Once again, if you are lost, you cannot find yourself.
Jesus next tells them the parable of a lost coin. A what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that was lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I remember as a child, there was excitement when you would be walking and find a coin on the ground. It was not any different than any other coin that you had had or any other coin that you had found. There is a certain excitement when something lost is found. In the case of this woman, she had nine other coins, not unlike the one that she lost, but was determined to find it. So it is with our Lord. We are no different than all the other sinners in the world. We are people just like the others created in the image of God. Yet our Savior looks for us. He seeks us because we are lost. He has many just like us, but we are his, and he will not allow us to stay lost. She lights a lamp to find her coin. The only thing I know that is easily found in the dark is the corner of my bed frame by my little toe. Now to find something, turning a light on is very helpful. And Jesus is the light. He is the light of all men. And we are also to be the light in the darkness when we seek the lost. We are led by the Holy Spirit as a church who seeks lost souls. We use the light of God's word to show the path, using it to diligently search for the lost. And when they are found, we rejoice. The next parable we're going to cover is one we're very familiar with. It is the parable of the prodigal son. What I think here is there's an aspect of this parable that many of us overlooked. It's an aspect that actually refers and is very stinging to the Pharisees and scribes. Yes, it's focused on the son who runs away and then comes back dejected, and the father accepts him and rejoices at his return. And it's a wonderful picture of Christ in our relationship with him. Yet, there is another son in this story. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. See, the older brother had stayed at home. He was doing what any son would do. He was working in the fields. He was doing what was required and needed by his father. And then he heard what was going on in the house, and he asked one of the servants, what's going on? And the servant said, your brother has come. Your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Now to many, this would seem like a happy event. His brother had come home after being gone for such an extended period. Instead, he had the opposite reaction. He was angry, and he confronted his father. Look, these many years I have served you. I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours came, has devoured your property with prostitutes, and you killed a fatted calf for him? Did he have a right to be angry? Was this a righteous anger? The answer actually is no. The son claims I never disobeyed your command, and this is an exaggeration at best. As a son myself and a father, I can tell you that I have disobeyed my father's commands, and my son has disobeyed my commands. This son was bitter and hard-hearted. He didn't appreciate what he did have. And so it was with the Pharisees. They didn't appreciate 
what they had. Like this son, who had the love of his father around him always, who had access to his father's wealth every day, he didn't appreciate it. He didn't recognize what he already had. Yet he did not feel he was being treated as well as he should have been. This is an example of the Pharisees. They lived in the father's house and yet were far from him. They were home and yet they were still lost. G. Campbell Morgan said this, There was a sense in which the older son was obedient yet far from his father's heart. In this sense, he was a perfect illustration of the religious leaders who were angry that Jesus received tax collectors and sinners. His story reveals the possibility of living in the Father's house and failing to understand the Father's heart. There are so many in the church today that live in the Father's house but don't understand the Father's heart. I remember as a young Christian, I spent time working with a group that reached out to the homeless population. We would gather blankets and shoes and other items and spend a Saturday distributing them among the different homeless camps. There were some in our church who felt slighted. They felt we should be helping the people in our church first. We need to focus on our own people who have been working so hard to keep the church going. Why are we spending time and effort helping those that will never come to our church? They were living examples of the older son. The lost cannot come to knowledge of Jesus if there is no one to show them the way. We are the ones who to show them the way. We are the light. Charles Spurgeon says, The truth taught here is just this, that mercy stretches forth her hand to misery that grace receives men as sinners, that it deals with unworthiness and worthlessness, that those who think themselves righteous are not the objects of divine compassion, but the unrighteous, the guilty, the undeserving are their proper subjects of the infinite mercy of God. In a word, salvation is not of merit, but of grace. Today, we are to seek the lost. Today, if you are lost, understand you can't find yourself. No one ever finds Jesus, not on their own. Scripture tells us that no one seeks God, no, not one. No one is righteous, not even one. We are found because God finds us. He removes our hardened hearts and replaces it with a heart of flesh. It is only through the power of the Spirit that we are found, and only by God's grace that we are found in the lost. But to be found, we do have to go to the light. And Jesus is the light. God sent the light to this earth, be born of a virgin, to live a perfect life, and to shine on the cross, to bear the full weight of God's wrath for the sins he never committed for the sins of man, so that we could be found and we could be saved. Today is the day to put your faith Today is the day to come to that light, to bow to the cross and recognize Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Confess your sins, and he will give you eternal life, and you too can be found. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. You know, as I'm listening to today's podcast, I am reminded of a very familiar hymn. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. To save a wretch like me.
I once was lost, and now I am found. I was blind, and now I see. And until we meet again, may the road rise up to meet you. The wind always be at your back, and the sun shine warmly upon your face. And God hold you gently in his hands. Thank you.